In these podcasts, we uncover one chapter after another from the life of the Prophet ﷺ in an attempt to learn about him, love him, and better ourselves through his example. Immersion, mentorship, companionship, and tarbiyah. These are just a few of the things we offer alongside knowledge of the prophetic biography at the Sirah Intensive. Two weeks dedicated to the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his noble characteristics. So this winter, inshallah, join me in Dallas, Texas, alongside your classmates from all over the world to learn the story of the life of the best of humanity, the mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. Go to sirahintensive.com to register or for more info. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Inshallah continuing with our study of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Asirat al-Nabawiyya, the prophetic biography In the previous session we talked about a couple of the events of the 8th year of Hijrah, the 8th year of the Prophet Wasallam's residence in the city of Medina. We had talked about Ghazwatu Dhat al-Salasil, Ghazwatu Saif al-Bahr. So we had talked about some of these other incidents where the Prophet Wasallam himself did not accompany the believers, but he had sent the believers out in some of the events that had unfolded there. But overall, this is the eighth year of Hijrah. Now, very quickly, because of what we're about to talk about and what we're going to speak about, I'd like to kind of remind everybody exactly where we're at when we say it's the eighth year of Hijrah. In the sixth year of Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ and the believers had set out from the city of Medina towards Mecca, had assumed the ihram, and were going with the intention of Umrah. And at that time, there was still hostility between Mecca and Medina, between the Muslims and the Quraysh. But nevertheless, the Prophet ﷺ very confidently left the city of Mecca with the uh, city of Medina and moved towards the city of Medina with the intention to perform the Umrah. Of course, as we know, the Quraysh ended up coming out and they ended up intercepting and blocking the Muslims from entering the city of Mecca. And that eventually, for a while there, it was contentious. The oath of allegiance given under the shade of the tree at Hudaybiyah, of course that took place as well. But that eventually led to the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Now, there were many things in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, some that were more difficult than others, more challenging than others. But the primary terms of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah were that there would be a 10-year truce between Mecca and Medina. There would be a 10-year peace, era of peace, time of peace, at the minimum 10 years, between the Muslims and the Quraysh. The second term of the treaty was that any of the allies of the Muslims or any of the allies of the Quraysh who wanted to join this peace treaty had the opportunity to do so. So what ended up happening at that time was there was a tribe by the name of Khuza'ah. Khuza'ah. They were they shared ancestry with the Quraysh. And they had a very long kind of uh, history with the Quraysh. They had a very complicated history with the people of Quraysh. So the people of Khuza'ah, they were the allies of the Muslims. So they joined in and they said, we would like to be a part of this peace treaty and be governed by the side of the Muslims. Banu Bakr, who was another tribe that were actually enemies of Khuza'ah, 
They said, well, we're gonna opt in with the Quraysh. We're gonna join the Quraysh in this treaty. So Banu Bakr on the side of the Quraysh, and another tribe by the name of Khuza'a on the side of the Muslims. They also entered into the treaty. Now what does that mean? What that means is that the Meccans will not attack Medina for 10 years. Medina will not attack Mecca for 10 years. But what that also means is, Banu Bakr will not attack Khuza'a. Khuza'a will not attack Banu Bakr. And similarly, Banu Bakr and Quraysh will not attack the other side, and both the Muslims and Khuza'a will not attack anyone on the other side. So all four parties were covered by the treaty, Khuza'a with the Muslims, Banu Bakr with the Quraysh, and each side was protected from the other for the duration of 10 years. That is very, very important to remember. The following year as we had talked about, now that there was, as you know, for the most part there was now peace. The biggest uh, adversary of the Muslims had been dealt with, had been put to, put, to, put to rest, at least for the time being in the Quraysh. The Muslims made many strides during that time. They were able to deal with the problems at Khaybar and others as well. Of course, part of the treaty was in the seventh year, one year later after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, they had come back to Mecca and actually performed an Umrah. It's called Umratul Qada, the Umrah that was made up for missing the Umrah the previous year. And now we are almost another year after the Umrah. We're almost another year after the Umrah. It is basically the month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan. So it is not an entire year, but it is about nine, ten months since they had gone there and performed Umrah. And similarly, it's about a little more than a year and a half. It's about 19, 20 months since the Treaty of Hudaybiyah has been signed. For a year and a half, relatively there's been peace. For the most part, there's been peace. There were still some issues back and forth, like when the Prophet ﷺ, the Muslims had gone to Mecca to perform the Umrah, many of the leaders of the Quraysh, as we talked about, had protested the Prophet's presence in Mecca. And they had gone outside of Mecca, that if Muhammad ﷺ will be in Mecca, then we will be outside, and we'll come back in once he leaves. Right? And there was a little bit of also some tension after the three days expired. They very rudely came to the Prophet and said, your three days are up, get out. Um, so there was some tension, but there had been peace. There had not been any conflict. It is at this time that the Prophet ﷺ is in the city of Medina. It's been about a year and a half of that peace. And someone comes from Khuza'a the people of Khuza'a, the allies of the Muslims, someone rides into town in a panic, in a frenzy from Khuza'a. And he's screaming and he's yelling. And some of the narrations mentioned that he's saying like poetry as well, because that was an expression of very powerful emotion for them. لا هم إني ناشد محمد حلف أبيه وأبينا الأتلدا. He's basically saying, No, no, I am looking for Muhammad, who made us a promise. He is our ally. Where is he? Where is he? And the Prophet ﷺ is very concerned. What's wrong? He receives him, and this man from Khuza'a says that he tells the Prophet ﷺ about their history. About their history. And the history basically is, is that some time back, much before you know, this peace treaty and even before Islam, 
There was an issue between Khuza'a and Banu Bakr. Basically what had occurred was that a man had come from Banu Bakr to come do business in Khuza'a. Something went, went wrong with the business deal. The people that he had come to do business with ended up attacking the man and a fight broke out and the man from Banu Bakr was killed in Khuza'a. Now, what that led to was some people from Khuza'a came and killed that man. And now obviously you can see where this leads to, these two tribes had then gone at war with one another. They basically declared war against one another. And they had fought for quite some time. Many people were killed, etc., etc. After a while, they had at least kind of called a ceasefire. But there was still a lot of animosity and hatred between the two. Now Islam comes along, the entire scene of Arabia is slowly changing. A lot of different dynamics are at play. The Treaty of Hudaybiyah presents itself. The people of Khuza'a jump into the Treaty of Hudaybiyah on the side of the Muslims. The Banu Bakr, their mortal enemies, Khuza'a's enemies, they jump into the treaty on the side of the Quraysh. Now, it seems like there's peace. But what happened was Banu Bakr decided that they still wanted to avenge. Some of, the, some of the deaths and some of what had happened during the time when they were warring with one another. They wanted to avenge those days. So they said, look, there's peace right now. Khuza'a has let their guard down. Why don't we get together now and then we'll attack them at night when they least expect it. And after telling the Prophet ﷺ this little bit of history about their people, the man from Khuza'a says that they attacked by night. And then he tells the Prophet ﷺ that I swear they were not alone. The Quraysh was with them. And what would later come out when the Prophet ﷺ would investigate the situation is that the Quraysh said, مَا يَعْلَمُ بِنَا مُحَمَّدٌ Muhammad doesn't keep tabs on us, he's too busy. Muhammad ﷺ doesn't keep tabs on us, he's too busy. وَهَذَا اللَّيْلِ وَمَا يَرَانَا أَحَدٍ It's night time and we'll cover up our faces and we'll send some people in. So they sent in some, 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 some soldiers, they sent in some extra bodies. And they also gave Banu Bakr a lot of weapons. Because Banu Bakr were more of a poorer tribe, Quraysh was obviously a more wealthier tribe. So they sent some men, some soldiers along with a lot of weaponry. And they joined in with Banu Bakr at night. And they figured, look, we'll be able to conceal our involvement in this. And they attacked Khuza'a by night. The man from Khuza'a tells the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ that they massacred us. They killed so many people. They killed women and children. And whoever remained, many of the people that remained out of us, they took them out, they dragged them out, and in some narrations, they took them back to Mecca and even executed them over there. They massacred their people. And you know, a few of us were able to escape and get away with our lives. When the Prophet and, and the man basically invokes the treaty. He says, you gave us your word. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ أَمَنُوا Keep your word. Keep your promises, Allah says. Hold yourself to your contracts. You must keep your word. You must keep your contract. Honor your contract. At the same time, the Prophet ﷺ, Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says, مَا خَطَبَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ قَطُّ إِلَّا أَنْقَالِ 
The Prophet ﷺ never ever ever gave khutbah without saying the following. La imana liman la amana talahu. There is no iman, there is no faith for someone who does not have trustworthiness. Somebody who cannot be trusted. There is no deen, there is no religion for somebody who cannot keep their word. Cannot keep their promises. So the, the man basically invokes the peace treaty, says, Ya Muhammad wasallam, you gave us your word. You said we were allies, we were in this together. You would protect us, we would protect you. And here we are, I'm sitting in front of you with blood on me. We've been massacred, we've been brutalized by these people. You have to keep your word. And so the Prophet ﷺ, when he hears this, the Prophet ﷺ tells a man, Nusirta ya Amr ibn Salim. The man is so distraught, he's like screaming and crying. Our people have been massacred. The Prophet ﷺ said, Nusirta ya Amr ibn Salim. The man's name was Amr ibn Salim. He says, you have been helped, you have been assisted. Meaning, don't worry, I will come to your aid, I will come to your rescue. I'm here for you. At that time, the narration mentions that the Prophet wasallam, there, there was a cloud, a very beautiful, big cloud that was passing by. And the Prophet ﷺ pointed to that cloud, to the Sahaba, and he said that, in هَذِهِ sahaba لَتَسْتَهِلُّ بِنَصْرِ بَنِي كَعْبٍ This cloud is a symbol, is a sign of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that tells us that the aid of these people, Khuza'a, is soon coming. That Allah will aid them because they are mazloom. They are mazloom, they are maqtul, they've been massacred, they've been killed. And the Prophet ﷺ told the Sahaba, he informed the people, start preparing. But he did not say whether we're leaving or not, when are we leaving, where are we going to, when are we going, where are we going from, no details. He just said, start preparing. I just want you to be prepared. At any moment I might call on you, I need you all to go and prepare. So they started preparing. It also mentioned this particular narration that while they started preparing, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he comes to visit the home of the Prophet the home of his daughter, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, the wife of the Prophet the mother of the believers. Um, she, Abu Bakr comes to visit her. And he kind of sees that she's involved in some type of preparation. And she, the, he asks Aisha anha, that are we going to fight the Romans? Are we going to fight these people? Are we going to over there fight the Quraysh? And Aisha anha stays silent. And then that's when the Prophet ﷺ enters, and then he asks the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ confirms Abu Bakr as his trusted right-hand man, as his general, that yes, we're going to be going to face the Quraysh. Amr bin Salim, he gets this good news, the Prophet ﷺ tells him, now I want you to go back, the survivors amongst your people, tafarraqu. I want you people to go and kind of scatter about, hide out. Because they're probably still hunting you down. So go back, tell the survivors to kind of scatter about and hide out. So they don't find you and kill you. As Amr bin Salim is coming back, he runs into Abu Sufyan. 
He meets Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan has received some intelligence that a man from Khuza'a went to Medina and maybe already spilled the beans, told the Prophet ﷺ everything that happened. So Abu Sufyan is on his way to Medina and he's very curious. He sees Amr bin Salim and he says, where are you coming from? You're coming from talking to Muhammad, aren't you? And Amr bin Salim says, oh no, no, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know what you're talking about, feigns ignorance. Because of course he's, he's afraid, these people massacred us. He feigns ignorance. Abu Sufyan, the narration mentions that the, the camel that Amr bin Salim is riding, the droppings of the camel, Abu Sufyan kind of like, you know, looks in the droppings of the camels, of the camel, and he sees the date uh, pits. He sees the seeds, the pits of the dates. And he recognizes them as these are the dates of Medina. He says, you're coming from Medina. And that's when Abu Sufyan basically rides out in the direction of Medina as fast as he can. He arrives in the city of Medina. When he arrives there, obviously, there's a treaty of Hudaybiyah that's in place, so that's one thing. The second thing is, he comes under the guise, when he arrives there in Medina, he basically says, he claims, I'm here to see my daughter. Who is his daughter? Ummu Habiba. The, one of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, one of the mothers of the believers, Ramla bint Abi Sufyan. She's known, better to known to us as Ummu Habiba, radiallahu ta'ala anha. So he says, I'm here to see my daughter, Ummu Habiba. Ahlan wa sahlan. And this is that famous story where he goes into the home of his daughter, and there's kind of a bedding that is spread out on the ground, and he goes to sit down, and she folds the bedding before he can sit on it. She folds up the bedding. And he asks her, he says, is the bedding not good enough for me or am I not good enough for the bedding? And she says, this is the bedding of the Messenger of Allah This is the bedding of the Messenger of Allah He says that you've gotten, you've, you've gotten bad since I last met you. You're misbehaving with me. He gets a little offended. And while he's there visiting her, he says, I would like to speak to the Prophet ﷺ. She says, okay. So she takes him to the Prophet ﷺ, and he speaks to the Prophet ﷺ, and he basically says to him, look, a mistake was made, this happened, that happened, I understand, it's problematic, but... I'm very sorry, I'm here to talk to you, I'm here to broker peace with you. Why don't we reinstitute our peace treaty? Why don't we renew it? I realize it was broken from our side, but we'll renew it, etc., etc., etc. And he basically, you know, tries to say that we'd like to re-enter the peace treaty. Now, the Prophet ﷺ remains quiet. The Prophet ﷺ does not take up the offer. Some folks are curious, some people can be curious about, well, why wouldn't the Prophet ﷺ take the opportunity for peace? Well, there's two things. Another narration tells us that when he comes to the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ asks him, what happened with Khuza'a? What happened with Khuza'a? And he says, oh, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, Banu Bakr ta Khuza'a. He's like, oh, really? Place done. And then the Prophet ﷺ says that, were you involved with this? Was Quraysh involved with this? Oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And that lets the Prophet ﷺ know that, look, he's not being straight up with me. He's not being honest with me here. I can't trust this. The second thing is that we also can't forget the fact 
revisionist history and a lot of times when people kind of look back Right? They have their own perspectives and their own viewpoints. They have their own skewed viewpoint. But you can't forget the fact that Khuza'a was massacred. There are survivors covered in blood. Saying, my wife and my kid were killed in front of me. You are our allies. You made us a promise. You gave us your word. You took an oath. You have to keep it. You have to defend us. So we also can't ignore that reality. Okay? So... The Prophet ﷺ remains quiet. Abu Sufyan keeps on pleading, keeps on campaigning. فَلَمْ يَرُدَّ عَلَيْهِ شَيْئًا The Prophet ﷺ did not say anything, he just remained quiet. After a while he gets up, excuses himself, he goes and he finds Abu Bakr anhu, And he tells Abu Bakr anhu the same thing. And he tells him, I need you. فَكَلَّمَهُ أَنْ يُكَلِّمَ لَهُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ He says, I need you to go and vouch for me in front of the Prophet ﷺ. I need you to go and speak to him on my behalf. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, Ma ana bifari. Ma ana bifari. I'm not going to do that. I follow the Prophet If he will not indulge you, I cannot indulge you. Sorry. Then he goes to Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he talks to Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu goes a step further. He says that, Ana ashfa'u, Ana, Ana, Ana ashfa'u lakum ila Rasulullahi sallallahu me? You want me to vouch for you? Have you lost your mind? Are you, are you kidding? Are you joking? Is this supposed to be funny? Me? I'm the only person you could think of to come and vouch for you? Do you not remember who I am and how I feel about you? And then he goes on to saying, فَوَاللَّهِ لَوْ لَمْ أَجِدْ لَكُمْ إِلَّا ذَرَّةً he says, You're, you people, you people broke your treaty, you massacred a people. I swear to God, if you took one grain that belonged to me, I would fight you for one grain. So you're here to tell me to kind of vouch for you, you must have, you, you must have lost it. So then he goes and he goes to Ali bin Abi Talib, Ali radiallahu ta'ala. And he says, and Ali radiallahu, he visits Ali radiallahu ta'ala in his home, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, the daughter of the Prophet the wife of Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu is there as well. And it's very, kind of the scene is beautiful. وَعِنْدَهَا حَسَنْ غُلَامٌ يَدُبُّ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِمَا And Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the grandson of the Prophet is there. He's a little baby boy. And he's kind of stumbling around, crawling, walking, playing between Ali and Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he asks for permission to come in, and he comes in and he sits down and he says, Ya Ali, innaka amusul qawmi bi rahiman. He says, look, you're the most closest related to me amongst the people. You know me. We go way back. I know your dad, I know your brothers. We go way back. وَأَقْرَبُهُمْ مِنِّي قَرَابَةً You're probably the most closely related to me as well. وَقَدْ جِئْتُ فِي حَاجَةٍ I have come to ask you for a favor. And I will not go back empty-handed. I came here to get something done, and I will not leave until I get it done. I need you to put in a good word for me with the Prophet Ali radiallahu ta'ala says, What's, What are you talking about, Abu Sufyan? وَاللَّهِ لَقَدْ عَزَمَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ عَلَىٰ أَمْرٍ مَا نَسْتَطِيعُ أَنْ نُكَلِّمَهُ فِيهِ The Prophet ﷺ is on the haq. 
And he has made whatever decision that he has made based on the truth, what is right. We are in no position to go and now second guess him. Do you not understand how this relationship works? He's a messenger of Allah, we are believers. So I can appreciate that you're pleading with me, that you're trying to appeal to my, my sensitivities. I feel for you in a brotherly type of way, but at the same time, you don't understand how this works. He is a messenger of God, we follow. And then he says, so then he turns to Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. And he says, Ya binta Muhammadin, O daughter of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. هَلَّكِ أَن تَأْمُرِي بُنَيَّكِ هَذَا فَيُجِيرَ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ فَيَكُونَ سَيِّدَ الْعَرَبِ إِلَىٰ آخِرِ الدَّهْرِ So he then says, O oh, daughter of Muhammad you grant me protection. You grant me protection in the name of this small child of yours. And I will be indebted to your child for the rest of his life. He will be known as a king and a leader amongst his people. He's just basically grasping at straws. He says, you know, you are the daughter of Muhammad There's nobody he loves more than you. This is his grandson. He loves this child so much. You go with your grandson, and in the name of your grandson, you grant me some, some audience with the Prophet in protection. And tell your father to please listen to me. She, you know, again, it's a bit embarrassing at times. You see an elderly person who's basically, you know, the age of an uncle to you. So she says that, look, this child of mine is not of the age to be granting anyone protection. And she also tells him, And she also tells him, she goes, you need to understand how this works. How we work. Nobody goes against what the Prophet has decided. With the Prophet There's a messenger of God, Muhammadur Rasulullah. We are with him. So nobody grants protection against the will of the Prophet There's a little bit of a fa'idah here. Some of the scholars have mentioned the Suhaili and others have talked about it. There's another hadith of the Prophet where he says um, that يُجِيرُ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِينَ أَدَنَاهُمْ That even the lowest ranking, kind of the lightest, the newest, the lowest ranking of the community of the believers, his, if he or she gives protection to someone, that is respected by the whole community. So if a Muslim would grant someone protection, the Prophet would respect it. But when she says, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, Sayyida Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, when she says that, ma yujidu ahaduna ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa what she means is that you have committed an act a declaration of war. In this situation, no one is going to vouch for you going against the Prophet Obedience. So nevertheless, he says to Ali radiallahu ta'ala, Ya Abal Hasan, kind of pleads with him, Ya Abal Hasan. He says, Inni aral umura qad ishtadda alayya. He says, I'm in a tough spot. Fansahni. Please give me some advice. Please give me some counsel and some advice. At that time he says, Wallahi ma a'lamu shay'an yughni anka. I don't know anything that's gonna get you out of this situation. He's, Ali radiallahu says, can we just be really real for a moment? You messed up. You done messed up, you're busted. I don't know how you're gonna get out of this situation. Well, 
Look, at the end of the day though, you still do have a position of respect amongst your people. فَقُمْ فَأَجِرْ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ ثُمَّ الْحَقْ بِأَرْضِكَ He said, just go stand up in the congregation and ask the people, plead with the people to grant you protection. That's all I can say, and then you go back home. I don't know. That's all I can offer. He says, Do you think that that would help my case at all? He says, لا والله ما أظنه. He goes, no, honestly, I don't think that's going to help. Because again, you fundamentally don't understand how this works. He is a messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But he says, لَكِنْ لَا أَجِدُ لَكَ غَيْرَ ذَلِكَ You are sitting here, you won't leave my house. You keep on begging and pleading, and this is the only suggestion I can come up with. I don't think it's going to work, but that's all I can tell you. Abu Sufyan goes, he goes to the masjid, he stands up in the masjid in the congregation. Ya ayyuhan nas, ayyuhan nas, oh people. Inni qad ajartu bayna nas. I beg you, I ask you for your protection. And for your, for your, for your sympathies. And then, thumma rakiba ba'irahu fantalaq. Then he gets on his animal and he rides back to Mecca. When he gets back to Quraysh, the Quraysh are very curious as well, because they're worried, because they know that they messed up. They say, ma wara'ak, what happened? He says, to Muhammad and فَكَلَّمْتُهُ I went to Muhammad وسلم, and I spoke to him and he didn't respond to me. Then I went to Ibn Abi Quhafa, which is the kunya of Abu Bakr. His father's name was Abu Quhafa, so Ibn Abi Quhafa, the son of Abu Quhafa. I spoke to him, Abu Bakr, and he didn't help me either. مَا وَجَتُهُ خَيْرًا He didn't help me. Then I went to Umar, فَوَجَتُهُ أَعْدَ الْعَدُوُ he said, then I went and I spoke to Omar and I found out Omar hates us more than everybody. <laughs> right, because he threatened me. I went there to ask for help and he threatened me. And then he says, I went to Ali, فَوَجَدْتُهُ أَلْيَنَ الْقَوْمِ I went to Ali and I found him to be very soft, very gentle, very gracious, very respectful. The akhla- see, the akhlaq of the Messenger وسلم, the Sahaba, like for lack of a better term, downloaded the akhlaq of the Prophet They molded, modeled themselves in the character of the Prophet Ali radiallahu ta'ala, see Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu is an equal in age. He's older in fact than probably Abu Sufyan or equal in age. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu is also an older person. Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu when Abu Sufyan speaks, he recognizes, okay, right now he's the enemy, right now he's the guilty party. But at the end of the day, he's an elderly person, an older gentleman speaking to me. So Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, keeps very calm. This is the akhlaq and the character of the Prophet That an enemy after he gets back, he still looks back and he says, Aliyan al-Qawm. He's very respectful. وَقَدَ أَشَارَ عَلَيَّ بِأَمْرٍ صَنَعْتُهُ He just gave me a suggestion, a recommendation, and I just, it was a long shot, but I went for it. And he says that, I don't know if it's gonna help or not. They said, what was that? What did you do? He says, he told me to go amongst the people and basically just kind of plead, ask for the sympathies of the people. So they said, هَلْ أَجَازَ ذَلِكَ Muhammad? Did Muhammad give you permission for that? Did Muhammad recognize your plea? He goes, no. Muhammad did not, sallallahu alayhi wa he did not recognize my plea or anything like that. They said, وَيْحَقْ مَا زَادَكَ الرَّجُلُ عَلَىٰ أَنْ لَعِبَ He says, what did you do? You further humiliated yourself, standing in the masjid begging and crying and screaming. You just humiliated yourself. And that didn't help you at all. He says, لا والله ما غير ذلك. He goes, you can sit here and criticize me right now, but I was the one that went out there. And that was the only option that I had. So I don't know what to tell you. And 
basically, after this entire scenario and conversation, this is when the Prophet ﷺ, this was Abu Sufyan's last kind of effort, realizing that they had messed up and they had violated the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. This was Abu Sufyan's effort to try to cover you know, their, their mistake. But the Prophet ﷺ was bound by the contract that he had, the word that he had given, the honesty and the trustworthiness that he personified and embodied. And at this point in time, the Prophet ﷺ basically told the Muslims to prepare because we're about to head out towards Makkah. And inshaAllah, we'll go ahead and conclude here uh, today. But what we'll talk about is, we'll talk about the events as they unfold. There's a very remarkable story about a Sahabi named Hatib ibn Abi Balta'ah. Um, so inshallah we'll talk about that story and then we'll also talk about the Muslims departure from the Muslim army departing from Medina moving towards Mecca which in the month of Ramadan which would lead to Fath Mecca the opening of Mecca the conquest of Mecca may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to practice everything that's been said and heard may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us the people of akhlaq and make us the kind of people who keep their word subhanallah wa bihamdihi subhanakallah wa bihamdik nashad wa la ilaha illa anta nasafir wa natubu ilayk